Go to the book of Acts tonight. Acts chapter number 8. <laughs> Acts chapter number 8, if you would. I want you to notice one verse. We're going to cover quite a few verses here in just a little while. You're probably pretty familiar with this story uh, in the Word of God. Acts chapter number 8. I want to read one verse as you're turning there. I want you to notice a phrase that is found in this verse. Verse number 26 is the verse the Bible says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that, uh, that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza. Notice this next phrase, which is desert. Which is desert. Tonight I want to encourage you through the preaching of God's Word, and I want to share some things that I pray will be a help to you. The place that we look here is a statement, this verse right here, verse number 26, and that statement is, which is desert. Now a desert is a barren area of landscape where little precipitation occurs and consequently living conditions are hostile. That's the definition of a desert. If you were to look it up, that's something that would pop up right there. And the last phrase of that definition is, is something that we must pay attention to. The living conditions are hostile. But if you were to continue trying to define that word and you were to continue reading certain things that define the word desert... There's a statement that I believe every single one of us have found ourselves in a time or two. And maybe it's a statement that, that we found ourselves in concerning something that we've been facing or, or a place that we've found ourselves concerning spiritually or even in a place that we're battling some things and struggling some things. And so notice this phrase one more time, the phrase, which is desert. And if you were to try to look up this word, it would be defined as this. A desert is a barren area of landscape where little precipitation occurs, and consequently, living conditions are hostile. But as you keep strolling down, it say this. It's a place of abandonment. A place of abandonment. Now, some of you may have found yourself in a place of abandonment. Maybe you found yourself in a place where you thought you were abandoned. Can I share with you, as a child of God, you've never been abandoned. God's always been there, and He'll always be there. And so as you find yourself in this place, this is exactly where the devil wants you to find yourself living. You see, God desires that we would walk with Him every step of the way and all the days of our lives, but the devil wants us to park in the desert, to mope in the desert, to find ourselves complaining in the desert, calling out God in the desert, turning our backs on God in the desert. But you see, sometimes God leads us to the desert with a greater purpose. And I want you to notice some things in Acts chapter number uh, 8 as we find, notice verse number 26 one more time. The Bible says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Now, some of the greatest dealings in our own personal lives by God are done and are found and are traced back to the desert. There was a man by the name of Bud. His name is Bud Silva. Bud Silva wrote this book that I just handed out here a few minutes ago. And this book is a book that I have read a couple of times and I have been encouraged by it. Bud Silva was a pastor. He still is a pastor. He's still being used of the Lord. But in this book right here, he shares a story. And that short story would forever change his entire life. The date was October of 1982. And Bud would spend much of his time for about three years of his life after Bible college. He worked at a job and he wasn't in the ministry at the time. For three years, he would spend uh, time between his breaks just reading the Bible. 
For three years, he was asking the Lord and praying, God, would you send me somewhere? Would you show to me what you have for me? Lord, what should we do? What's the next steps of our lives? Lord, where are we supposed to go? What are we supposed to do? How can we serve? And so for three years, he would pray. For three years, he found himself reading in between breaks at his job. And one day, while he was reading in his Bible, he continued to go back to Matthew 4, verse number 19. And the interesting thing about Matthew 4.19 is it's the same exact verse that was used in Brother Dalton's life to start Gateway Baptist Church. You see, Matthew chapter 4, verse number 19, it states, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He couldn't get that off of his heart, and he knew that he was supposed to do something. And so it was at this time, this one break in lunch, where he was reading the Bible, where God confirmed some things in his heart confirmed some things in his own life, and God was calling him and his family back to California to start a church. October of 1982, as we'll get there here in a few moments, is a a date, is a a time in, in his life that he'll never forget. He went back to California, and there was a group of people at this time that had been praying that God would start a church in that area. And so, Bud Silva had gotten with this this group of people through another pastor who had introduced them. And anyway, the Lord had blessed. The Lord had provided the people. One of the people in the church had provided the place where Bud and his family could live rent-free. The Lord had provided a church for them to be able to meet in. And God was supplying all of their needs throughout all of this, this time in which they are praying for God to do something. Well, you fast forward and the church had begun to grow and God had begun to work in this church and in their midst. And they as a church decided that they were going to start a Christian school. And so they were praying and and seeking the Lord in all this, but they were about a year out from uh, starting this Christian school. And so they had found a, a, a school that was 60 miles away from the current location that they were. Bud and his family and a couple of other families would take turns rotating, driving 60 miles to take the kids and driving 60 miles back. And so they did this for a while, and some parents had had done the rotation with them and, and all of these many things. And so it was in October of 1982 whenever they had begun to pray about a special Sunday that they were going to have. This special Sunday, they were praying that God would fill the entire church. And so the church was praying. The pastor and his family were praying. People outside in the community that went to other churches were praying with them. And that God would bless this one Sunday. And in his mind, he goes back and he uttered these words as they were praying. He said this. He said, Lord, whatever it takes, I am willing to do it. Well, as they were preparing for this special Sunday, it would be weeks later that Bud would experience a life-changing day and a life-changing experience. A life-changing couple of weeks, if you would. The exact date is found in 1982 in the month of October. That day is October the 8th, 1982. It would be the last time that Bud saw his wife and seven children. Now, he would lose personally two children. Seven children were children that were in his church. It was October 8th. As they woke up that morning, he said goodbye to his wife and his children and those children within the, the, the church. They got in the vehicle, the, the church van, and drove up to the school. And as they were on their way to the school, what had happened was there was a car that had stalled out in the middle of the median. In the middle of the median on one side of the interstate, they had stalled in a a I guess, I believe it was an 18-wheeler, swerved to miss it, went across traffic, and hit the van head on. 
Now, in this, this book, he shows pictures of the entire vehicle and, and everything that had taken place, but Bud was at the church at this time, and he was working. He was praying, and he was doing some things, and a lady in the church runs into the church. With tears in her eyes, he can tell something's not right, but she looks at him, says that she had been listening to the police scanner, and it sounded like their van. So Bud makes his way into uh, his vehicle, drives, and as he's driving, he comes upon the accident. As he comes upon the accident, he finds that a police officer meets him and asks him who exactly he is. He, very simply, sir, you can't go through there. He says, no, I am, I'm the pastor of this church. The officer escorts him away from the scene and says they had already been taken, and so would you come with me? It's at a location where the bodies had been taken, where his wife, his two children, and 700 children, he had to go through and identify. Now, one of the survivors was one of his little children. It was a little girl that survived. But he was walking through and he was having to tell these, this officer, that's my wife. That's my children. These are the children of our church. And it was right then and there, as Bud found himself in a desert place. It was a hard place. As I was reading this book, I couldn't help but, but take myself there. The next Sunday was still on. So the, all of that praying that had taken place, that Sunday had come and he had found himself having to go through the motions on a Sunday. The funeral was two days later, and so that Sunday, though, the entire church was packed. People in the community, other churches had, had come over to their, their church service and all these many things. Two days later, the funeral would be held. Two of the children were escorted to Indiana to be at a funeral that their, their family would have there for them, but... Caskets lined an auditorium gym at a high school in California. They couldn't have it at another church because there were so many people that filled the entire auditorium. A local pastor in the area had met with Bud, and I believe it was a local pastor, that, but very simply, Bud was not going to be able to do this funeral himself. There's no way he could have done it. And he told the pastor, he said, the only thing I want you to do is preach the gospel. And so it was in the midst of his own desert place that he sat there in an auditorium. The auditorium, the way he described it, could seat up to a thousand people. And he said it was packed and there were people standing around. As the message was delivered, the gospel was preached. And as the gospel was preached, they began to find themselves sitting there, listening intently, listening to every word that the preacher was saying. And over 50 people had gotten saved. But Bud was still in his desert place. He remembers going back and visiting his sister for a few days and then walking back into his house for the first time and breaking down in tears. And throughout the entire book, I found it very interesting. I found it very uh, something that really deals with you and gets right to the heart of the matter because on the very be the front of this book, the book is entitled this, and the entire book, he does a phenomenal job of pointing us to Christ. You see, in the midst of his desert place, and though that place is still a place that is vivid in his mind, he has one desire, and that is that all would see Christ. 
The book that he published was the book entitled Magnified by Life and by Death. Underneath this is a verse that we are thankful for here at our church specifically. We've emphasized this statement and this word. But Colossians 1.18, that in all things he might have the preeminence. He goes on throughout this book and reflects on what would be a tragic loss for him, but great victory for Christ because he found victory in Christ. If you can imagine with me, if you were to find yourself in Bud's situation, many of us would have thrown in the towel and said, I'm done right there. God, I'm not going any further. Lord, I'm done trying. There's, there's, no, there's nothing you could show me or reveal to me that's worth it. I've lost my, my, my wife and my children. What's next? I've lost the, the children of the church. We, we had all of these many things, and a tragedy like that happens. But he says, but in all things, that he might have the preeminence. This evening, I want to preach a message entitled, In the Desert Place. In the desert place. And this evening, you might have found yourself in the midst of a desert place. And you begin to wonder, Lord, what are you doing in the midst of this desert place? Notice with me, if you would, verse number 26. The last statement in verse number 26, one more time. That statement is, which is desert? Verse number 27, the Bible says, And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and who had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet, and the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Notice what takes place in verse number 30. And Philip ran thither. He didn't, he didn't lollygag, he didn't walk, he ran thither. The Bible says right there, To him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? Now, this is what every soul winner wants to hear whenever you knock on a door. You, you knock on a door and you ask someone if they've ever been presented the, the gospel or you begin to share them uh, the gospel and you might ask them the question, do you know where you would spend eternity if you were to die right now? And every single one of us that goes out and knocks on door, if you're having a conversation, you want people to say, how can I know? Notice what he says here in verse number 31. He said, how can I accept some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Now, as we make our way through, you're going to see a, a transition. You're going to begin to see what God begins to do. But in verse number 26, we come back to this statement, which is desert. Now, if you were to back up in chapter number 6, 7, and 8 of the book of Acts, you're going to begin to see that Philip is being used of God. The Lord's working in a special way. People are getting saved. There's a great work that is taking place. And if you can imagine with me for just a few moments, we're going to notice three things in this passage that will help us when we find ourselves in a desert place. Notice with me the first thing that we see in this passage of Scripture. We see the place. That place is the desert. That place is the desert. You see, it's in the desert where God begins to do some of the greatest workings in our lives. It's in the desert place where we might find ourselves saying, it's not somewhere where I would have chosen, but God says, no, you wouldn't have chosen it, but oh, what I have for you there. It's in the desert place where God begins to reveal some things to us. To the world, if you were to define or ask someone what the desert means to them, many people would say that the desert is useless and insignificant. I don't think any of us, if we were to, to say, hey, what is somewhere we're going to go and, and we're going to go on a, 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 a trip as a, a family, we're going to go on a vacation, where should we go? I doubt any of us would say, you know what, let's just go set up some tents in the middle of the desert. That is not happening. 
Number one, it's definitely not happening to me. You know what? I can't stand the summer, all right? I hate summer. I have to have a good attitude in summer, and it's a struggle with the flesh, I'll tell you. Me and Miss Kelly, we were at home today, and we were trying to clean the house, and, and it, you walk outside. I, I, once I get a shower for church, there's no going outside until I'm coming to church because the moment I walk out, I'm drenched. So for me, a desert is a no-go regardless. But many would look at it as useless and insignificant. But you know what the amazing thing about our God is? It's where God begins to take those things and those places where we would imagine that it's useless and insignificant, and He begins to do something great in the midst there. God, why have you brought me here? Oh, it's useless. This place is insignificant. No, this place right here is a place where I'm going to reveal to you some things. I'm going to show you some things. And hey, on the outside looking in, people are going to say maybe it is useless and people are going to look at it and say, oh, it's an insignificant thing or an insignificant place. Why are they there? Oh, what God is going to do there. You see, it's this desert that Philip finds himself in where he's just been seeing God work. And the amazing thing about this is that it's a great reminder that when God wants to perform a miracle, He begins to find a problem. And one of the things that we find to be true is the greater the problem, the greater the miracle. And you see, many of us, when we find ourselves in the midst of facing a great problem and God begins to do a great miracle, we praise Him for that. And that's just how good our God is. That's how He works. He does an amazing thing. I believe the desert is a place that Philip would have, very simply, if I had to guess, if I was in his shoes, would have said, Lord, why the, why the desert? Have you ever uttered these words before whenever you look back in a situation or whenever you know you're about to encounter something that's a little uncomfortable, you ever uttered these words, everything was just going so good? You ever said that before? You know, it seemed as though everything was going so well, and then that happened. Or this is about to take place. Everything was going so smooth. Everything was, was as though nothing was going to be wrong. And then, bam, I found myself in the desert. The desert, a place where oftentimes we feel abandonment. And it's in the desert where we find that the angel of the Lord comes to Philip. And he says this, Arise and go toward the south unto the way which goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Verse number 27 just tells us this, that he arose and went. This place being the desert. The desert might be and might seem as though it is insignificant. It might seem as though it is useless. But God had something intended for Philip in the desert. You see, tonight I want to encourage you. Some of you might find yourself in the desert. You might find yourself, and it might be as though you feel as though you're on your own little desert. No one understands. You feel abandoned, but God is right in the midst of it. And God, you might be calling out to the Lord and saying, Lord, why have you allowed me to enter this desert place where as though I feel alone and though I feel abandoned, God, why is this taking place? And what you don't understand, what we don't sometimes understand or what we don't see sometimes, is that God has brought us into the desert not only for our good, but for the good of others as well. You see, there's a man that we're going to look at here in just a few moments, but Gaza is one of the five Philistine cities. Now, Gaza being a desert, it's, it's a rough and needy place. Matter of fact, it's not a place that someone would say, you know what, I want to go and plant a church right there. David Livingston wrote, had, a, had some people write to him. He was a missionary. And the missionaries wrote to him and said, have you found a good road to where you are? If so, we want to know how we can come and send other men to join you. 
Livingston wrote back and said, if you have men who will only come, if they know there is a good road, I don't want them. He said, I want men who will come if there is no road at all. You see, oftentimes we don't like the desert place because we have no desire to go there, but also it's out of our comfort zone. God, I only want to be on the pleasant roads. But we've come to realize, and we all know this, the Christian life isn't always a pleasant road. It is if you rest in Christ, but there's some obstacles you have to face. And there's some desert places you have to go through. And there's some struggles, there's some things that you have to ask yourself, Lord, why have you brought me here? And I've learned in my own life over a course of time that whenever I find myself in a desert place to ask the Lord, Lord, what are you trying to reveal to me here? I used to, I would ask, Lord, why am I here? But now all I ask is, Lord, what are you trying to do here? Lord, what are you trying to reveal in this desert place right here? And so we see the place being the desert, but also we see the people here. Notice with me, in verse number 26, you see one by the name of Philip. In verse number 27, the Bible says, And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia. A man of Ethiopia. Not only is he a man of Ethiopia, but he was uh, someone who had great charge over all her treasure and who had come to Jerusalem for to worship. And this man was returning, the Bible says, and sitting in his chariot, reading. And all of a sudden, we find that Philip... The Spirit says unto him, go, and Philip does exactly that. He runs to him. And so the first man you see is the man named Philip. Philip, if you were to try to study him out, was a servant of the Lord. But he was a servant of the Lord that wasn't just able to go, he was also willing to go. You see, the Bible tells us in this passage of Scripture right here that the Spirit, uh, the, the angel of the Lord comes up unto uh, Philip and says, hey, go into the desert. He doesn't say why. He doesn't say no. He just says, okay. He goes. He didn't ask questions. He just went. Philip was a faithful man. If you were to go, and again, in chapter 6, 7, and 8, you'll find that he was a faithful man. When there were seven men chosen, he was one of those seven because he was one who had compassion. He was one that, that was, was well-favored, if you would. And so Philip was one who we see in Scripture was well-thought of. He was willing to go, though. The other man is the man who is an Ethiopian. And this man is being escorted himself. He is making his way. He is seated in his own chari- chariot, and he's, he's supported by a large gathering, if you would. He holds much importance, but he's also found himself in a place where he's seeking more than just his importance. You see, he's, he's very significant to the men around him, those that are around him, but he's seeking for something more than what his significance is to those around him. He was seeking God. He was trying to find what it was. I've shared the story with you before, but it was in an interview that Tom Brady had. And they were talking to Tom Brady and they said, Oh, you've got the cars, you've got the rings, you've got the wife, you've got the house, you've got all of these many things. And they said, What else could you want? And he says, I don't know, but there's got to be more to it. And there is more to it. You see, all of those things are going to fade. But eternity's in view as we come to realize our salvation is the only thing that we can hope through and hope in. And so it's this Ethiopian man as he's being escorted here. He's searching for some truth here. And the Bible says in verse number 29, And the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up 
and sit with them. You see, the first thing that we see is the place. The second thing we see is the people here. Now, you find that Philip is in the desert. If you were like me, as I was reading this, I would be thinking the desert. Why the desert, Lord? But you see, that's the amazing thing about our God. You see, the Bible says in Luke chapter number 19, verse number 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The portion of Scripture helps us to understand so much more about our God and so much more is that there are those that are always seeking truth. There are people outside the doors of Gateway Baptist Church right this very moment in Clarksville, Tennessee, that are seeking truth. Let me ask you this question. What if God sends you through a desert to reach them? You say, what's that desert? I don't know what that desert is. Sometimes that desert place might be a tragic loss. As we think about Bud Silva, for him, the desert place was losing his wife and his children. Some, a desert place might be a great tragedy of something that takes place that physically or or materialistically you go through and you lose something. What if God sends you through a desert for someone else's good? You see, we're able, we're given the opportunity in the midst of a desert place to find ourselves growing because we lean on Him. It's in the desert place where God begins to do some of His greatest workings. Notice with me, number three, we see this, the purpose. Now, I want you to understand some things in this passage of Scripture here. Philip has found himself in a desert place. Philip was finding himself being used of the Lord, not in a desert. It was probably in a place that was much more comfortable. As a matter of fact, I know it was a place that was much more comfortable. It was Jerusalem. He found himself in a place that he was being used, and it wasn't a desert place. It wasn't a place that many people would say, I'm not going there. It's a, it's a rough and needy place. I'm going to stay right here. No, as the, as the Lord tells Philip to go, he just says, okay. And he goes. And so we see the purpose here. Notice with me, the purpose is very simple. We understand it. There are a couple of things that take place. In verse number 28, as he's sitting there, he's sitting in his, his chariot reading. And this individual, this Ethiopian, read about Christ. There are many people that we come in contact with who have a Bible in their home but have never accepted Christ as their personal Savior because having a Bible in your home isn't what saves you. And there are people that we come in contact with that have read about Christ. And this is exactly what this man was doing. In verse number 29, the Bible says, And the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? So he had just begun reading in verse number 28. In verse number 30 and 31, the Bible says this in 31, And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come and sit with him. Now we see that only is he reading, but he's also hearing about Christ. You see, sometimes it's in our desert place when God begins to give us an opportunity in the midst of that desert place to only talk to someone and say, hey, have you been reading about Christ? But then it's in your desert place where you're given an opportunity to share more about Christ, and they have to endure the hearing about Christ. But then look with me, if you would, as you continue reading this passage of Scripture, it doesn't stop there. The greatest part is this. Verse number 37, the Bible says, And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now he finds himself believing in Christ. You see, it's in the desert place sometimes where we don't know what God is doing, but we can all agree tonight that God makes no mistakes. Sometimes God will not reveal immediately why he has brought us to a desert place. 
But in the desert place, you find in the Old Testament, you go back, you look at Moses in the desert place. You go back and you look at Jesus in the desert place. You go through and you look throughout Scripture, you'll see many found themselves in the desert place. And can I share with you tonight that God is always with us in the midst of that desert place. Every step of the way. And, Dave, and, and, and Philip here finds himself, as he finds himself being told, hey, go to that place which is desert. There was a purpose for it. Sometimes we don't understand that purpose. But always God is right there with us and he's got a purpose for it and he's revealing it. The truth about Philip was this. He had no hesitations. He had no questions. Just straight obedience. Philip, go to the desert. Why? I'm, I'm in Jerusalem. God, you're working here. The desert, there's nothing in the desert. It's the desert. It's deserted. There's nothing there. Philip, go into the desert. Immediately he goes into the desert, and upon his journey he comes across a man who was in need of something great. Matter of fact, it was the greatest thing he could ever receive. A man of significance, a man who, as a matter of fact, many people would probably see him and, and they would look at him and understand, hey, he is someone that is great. But this Ethiopian man understood, while he might be great in the eyes of men, he understood that there was greater than him. That greater was Jesus Christ. And so this man is finding himself searching. And it's in the desert place where he comes across an individual by the name of Philip. And Philip is used as the question is asked, how can I accept some man should guide me? Notice what the Bible says. In verse number 34, the Bible says, And eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man. Verse number 35, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him, Jesus. Tonight, I close with this. It was a desert place that brought a man by the name of Bud Silva to understand that God had something far greater for him. If you were to ask Bud Silva, I don't know, I've never met Bud Silva, but if you were to ask him, I wonder what his response would be if you were to say, Bud, would you trade it? I know selfishly, I would think, yes, I would trade it. That's my wife. That's my children. October 8th, 1982 would be the last time that he saw them. But as you thumb through this book, you come to realize that he is in agreement with us that God makes no mistake. And the greatest thing that he has been able to see is that he found victory in Christ. You see, there were probably some people who walked up to him and said, hey, brother, everything's going to be okay trying to offer some consolation, but let's be honest. Someone walking up to you and saying everything's going to be okay means nothing to you in the midst of where you're at. But I imagine, as many of us have been in the desert place, as you found yourself in that desert place feeling almost as though you were alone, that it was in that desert place where you began to ask the Lord, Lord, why the desert place? Where in your mind, as you go back to some of the desert places in your past, you look back at that desert place and you say, you know what, God was teaching me some things there. God was working there. And matter of fact, in the midst of that desert place, it was painful. It wasn't something that I joyed in. But looking back now, I realize that God brought me through it. God was with me in the midst of it. And I found joy in Christ. I understood that He had something for it. In this passage of Scripture, we find that Philip was brought to a desert place because there was one who needed Christ. 
And I ask you this question. You might find yourself in the midst of the desert place right this very moment. What's God trying to teach you? What's God trying to do in your personal life right this very moment? You say, I I am in a desert place. Matter of fact, I'm struggling in the desert place. Bring it to the Lord. A song that we've sung before, bring it all to Him. As you think about being in the desert place and you think about all that God has for you, it might just be that God is preparing someone who needs Christ. Maybe you'll come through that and you'll say, you know what, I came through that desert season and no one got saved. Well, what did God teach you through it? There are some desert seasons where we'll go through and we won't even realize that there are people watching us in that desert season. Just the other day, I shared with our Sunday school class. I did not know this, but a guy that I played basketball against in college reached out to me. Didn't realize he'd been paying attention to the ministry here. Didn't realize he'd been paying attention to everything that was going on here. But he reached out. He noticed. He saw. I would have never known. And guess what? The same goes for the desert seasons. People are watching and saying, man, that Christian is making it through the desert season. How? By the grace of God. By the grace of God. The same grace that brought this Ethiopian man to Christ is the same grace that we are able to access every single day of our lives. What a God. Lord, we do thank you. Lord, I thank you for the desert place. Lord, it's not always a pleasant place, but Lord, as we seek you and rest upon you, Lord, you're always present. Lord, tonight we're asking, Lord, that you would strengthen those that may be found in the desert place. Lord, we think of all that you have for us, and Lord, we're asking, Lord, that you would guide us and direct us, Lord, that we'd lean upon you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your comfort. We thank you for your, Lord, mercy upon our lives. I pray that you would help us, guide us, and direct us, and we'll thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.